everyone, I'm Rishi Saxena, and this is Real Lives, Real People. On this podcast, I bring on people to hear their candid stories, as there's much more than meets the eye. Topics vary from what people are passionate about, have dealt with, or worldly matters important to them. I hope to give my listeners different perspectives and thoughts, and I hope you can take one thing with you from an episode. In this episode, I have my friend Kendall Levine on. She's a dedicated runner, and we hear more about her running journey in the episode. She's also very passionate about healthcare and women's rights, as we will also discuss. I do also want to put out a trigger warning, as we do generally discuss the topic of sexual assault in terms of this Bikram yoga documentary, and that starts around minute 33. But otherwise, I hope you all enjoy. Hey, Kendall. Hey, Arushi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. How was your day? It was good. I got a little run in this morning before it gets too cold out here in Chicago, but otherwise I've just been working. (laughs) Great. Um, So happy to have you here on the podcast. I knew like I had to have you on here eventually. So really glad that we're doing this now. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Of course. So do you want to give yourself like a quick introduction? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Kendall. Rushi and I were both in Delta Sigma Pi at the University of Georgia together. I actually grew up uh, in the Chicago suburbs, so i have kind of back home to where I was before, but I went to UGA where I majored in finance, and then I had minors in public health, global health, and health policy and management. So that's kind of where my passions lie and definitely the topics that I like to learn and talk about rather than finance itself, but my finance definitely got me my job, which was awesome. Um, I'm a consultant at Protivity right now, and I just started uh, during COVID, so work from home has been fun, but I'm very happy (laughs) to live back in Chicago, and I'm in the city this time, so it's definitely been a great time here, for sure. Yeah, you're lucky you're in Chicago, not Georgia right now. I <laughs> when it gets cold I might have a different opinion on that but at yeah. the moment I'm definitely been enjoying it um and it's just been really cool for me to fully explore the city since I was in the suburbs before um other than that though I really like to run and exercise and stuff like that and that's kind of what I've been doing uh outside here and I also love trying new restaurants and so I've been taking advantage of outdoor dining while I can Um, and just trying to support the businesses during COVID times. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So tell me more about your like fitness journey. A lot of people know Kendall to be this very extremely healthy and fit person. I remember um, (laughs) you were telling me one day like how during your study abroad you would wake up really early to go running even though it was like a really busy study abroad. Yeah, so I, my uh, dad ran when he was younger. So when I was really young, he would take us out on runs on the weekends. So all through going growing up, I did cross country and track. Um, and it was definitely one of my talents for sure. Uh-huh. And so I ended up, I really liked it in high school, but I didn't really want to continue into college. Because yeah. uh, it wasn't, it used to be a really big stress reliever. And then in high school, it's kind of like where the source of my stress was coming from. So I wanted to go back into the point of having it you know be not be a nice escape be more of like a be more of a hobby for sure exactly um and I'm really glad I did that because 
I very much, uh, I very much loved to do, I love to do it now and it's on my, on my own time and I can pick how many miles I want to go and, um, having that is kind of more motivating for me than an actual coach, which I know is kind of counterintuitive, but Mm -hmm. if I feel good, I'll just keep going. Um, and so in college, I would try to run or do some sort of workout pretty much every weekday and then on the weekends as I could just to kind of keep myself centered, give myself some time to myself to recollect my thoughts and everything. I was pretty much working out on my own. Sometimes a friend and I would go to the gym together or something, but it would pretty much be on my own. And I think I needed that time because in college, I, as you know, Ruchi, I was constantly with people. I hated being alone. (laughs) I didn't like it at all. So I think I did need that hour, two hour, just kind of separate myself from everything. Um, But yeah, during my study abroad, I, so I studied abroad in Australia and our program was essentially a seven day a week program. We didn't really have weekends on our own because we were traveling Mm. just kind of random times. And we would start our day at like 738 in the morning. And I was like, I need, I can't go a month and a half without Mm. exercising. (laughs) I have a marathon (laughs) coming in a few months. So I would wake up really early to knock out a run workout and then, like, every night I would still hang out with people and, like, we'd go out and everything because mm-hmm. um, I had to experience it. Yeah, but... you go out a lot, too. <laughs> <laughs> I have to experience Australia for, you know, what it is in both the nighttime and uh, sunrise, apparently. I'm hitting both of them. <laughs> How much did you, like, average every night? Okay. Uh, like five hours <laughs> max. <laughs> it was like after I did, I did not notice how tired I was until the end of the trip. Um, yeah. I was, I was just constantly like so excited. Yeah. yeah, and I was seeing new things and all this stuff. And then the day after the trip, I actually stayed in Australia a couple weeks after, so it wasn't even jet lag, and I just slept for like 13, mm-hmm. 14 hours straight. It's just so exhausted, mm-hmm. but definitely yeah. worth it. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely get that. Like being in a new country, a new, a different continent. Like you would want to do as much as you can within that like month and a half or whatever. Exactly, and I really enjoyed the runs because I did see a lot of sunrises. And um, one of my runs, I saw a wallaby, and that was really cool. (laughs) So I'm gonna be honest. I don't remember what a wallaby looks like. (laughs) It's like very similar to a kangaroo. Like, oh, okay, okay. They're like slightly different, but they're kind of the same sort of vibe in animal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Going back to, you were talking about how you didn't want running to be, you didn't want to like have a coach, you know, like yell mm-hmm. at you while you're running and stuff. And I feel like that's so important um, because, like, I feel like nowadays a lot of people make their hobbies their career and it can kind of like cause burnout or like kind of take out the hobby from the activity, you know? Yeah, I think when you have a salary attached to something you love in a hobby-related form, it can be problematic because then you are worried about your well-being um, in terms of your financial well-being. But Mm -hmm. I do think hobbies can turn into a career, but you also have to supplement that with other hobbies as well as an outlet. Um, Right. Yeah, and I think Mine was more like, I loved my coach so much in high school. And also my dad was a really big coach too. And I obviously love him. He was so supportive. And so it was nothing against Mm -hmm. that. It was just more, 
there were certain days where we would have to do a really hard workout and I didn't feel good and I would still have to do that workout. Whereas now if I wake right. up and I'm like sort of getting sick, it's going to be a chill day. Um, and I can kind of make that decision for myself, which I like. Um, yeah. And you can in a, listen to your body more. Yeah. But yeah, but in a job format, I think, I do think it's important to love what you do to a certain extent. And if your hobby does turn into a job, awesome. That's, I'm really happy for you. Um, yeah. But I, I do think you still need to maintain an outlet in some form that's not tied to your financial well-being. Right. Do you think you just kind of like had that habit ingrained in you from school, like to continuously be working out or like, how do you deal with days where you just don't want to go run? Like how, how have you been able to like keep it continuous for so long? Um, I think starting so young helped me, but also I think it, it very much correlates to how I feel during the day. And so if I take a day or two off, um, I used to have a really big problem with that freshman, sophomore year of college, like even after like I, I would sleep like a couple hours because I had a massive test and I would still force myself to go work out. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, that's just not healthy at all. Like I'm just pushing my body <laughs> to a point that I don't need to. I can take a day off. It's better for my muscles anyway. Um, so I think starting junior, senior year, I started to realize like I was too gung-ho about it and I wasn't taking Mm. days off because I felt like it was something I had to do and working out wasn't something that should be enjoyable necessarily and now it's kind of turned into there are definitely some days that I don't want to get up and go but I do know that I'll feel so much better when I do go and I feel like I don't have as many days that I don't want to go because I do take those off days so over the weekend I didn't Saturday I took it off um and today I was like ready to go because I had that day I had that break um and it definitely helps for sure but I think some you just got to give yourself some days and then other days you have to recognize like I'm just being lazy (laughs) or I'm just (laughs) like but also sometimes like I don't want to run so I'll do a different workout and we have so many options even in COVID times like Orange Theory posts all a ton of workouts every single day on their YouTube channel. There's so many YouTubers. You mm. can download the Nike Training Club app. Peloton has a free trial, and they also have stuff beyond just the bike. Um, and so you can do all this from home, regardless of also gyms that have opened safely with masks. That uh, I do think that you mixing it up will definitely help keep the passion alive, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I definitely agree. I think there's like a ton of online like workout uh, places that like Mm -hmm. are doing free trials and they have been for a long time, but you could probably go a full year like picking and choosing different ones and like not having to pay for anything. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Nike Training Club Premium is free ever since Mm -hmm. the start of COVID. And I've been using that app since like literally in eighth grade. I would use yeah. it like here or there for little workouts and they keep it fresh. Like yeah. been, <laughs> we're going on nine years now. So <laughs> definitely they, there's definitely resources that can help. Um, and it's just kind of finding what you like and what's, don't force yourself to run if you don't like it. I, I do love yeah. running, but if you don't like it, it's not going to be fun for you and you're not going to keep doing it. <laughs> Me. <laughs> There's other ways for cardio. There's other ways to work out. Um, And you don't have to work out every single day. It's just maintaining a healthy lifestyle, too, that 
you can you supplement it with. Yeah. I like running. I think I like the idea of running more than actually running. <laughs> I, know. I know. It's just like I mean, nice to be like, oh, I went on a run. Like it, like when you come back, you're like, oh, I feel so accomplished. But oh, the endorphins. <laughs> <laughs> feel great. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. For me, I feel like I also like dancing in my room a lot and I'll like try to get yeah. myself away from that or like I do go on runs here and there like maybe once or twice a week because um, yeah, there's like a river by my house so it's like okay I'll go see that nice view and then come back oh for sure um, I have loved running along the lake here oh yeah um, yeah it definitely <laughs> like we had some really pretty views in Athens not gonna lie but here being able to just like look at the city every morning and the sunrise yeah. that's been really cool for me yeah do you think being in Chicago makes you more like motivated in general like being in the city compared to Athens? Um, I don't know if the city itself makes me more motivated. I think for me, it's more like the people I'm surrounded by. And I think the people I'm surrounded by in Athens motivated me there. And then the people here motivate me. So I don't really see either like a increase or a deficit in my motivation or a decrease in my motivation. But um, I do think maybe without COVID, if it was like truly hustle bustle city life, maybe it oh, would. Um, but for me, what I've really liked is I have really enjoyed not having a car. I don't know why this is such like a big factor for me. <laughs> no, but, I guess that though. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah. I, it was just, I don't, I never have to think about parking. I don't have to think. Oh, parking about- in Athens was such a struggle. Like my day was... Yes planned around where I would park and how I would get somewhere exactly and gas and all that and so being able to like walk to get my groceries I divvy everywhere here which um Mm -hmm. are just our bikes that you so I have a year membership so I have free or unlimited not free but unlimited 45 minute rides under the membership and there you pick a bike up from a station and you just drop it at another station and where I am in the city, there's just stations everywhere. And so I use yeah. that pretty anytime I'm like going to hang out with people, um, anytime, sometimes to get my groceries, <laughs> like I'm biking everywhere and it's just nice to be able to like leave it and not have to worry about parking yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's super awesome. That's why I love cities. Like you can kind of get anywhere you want with like the whole transit system and everything, like all the multiple forms of public transportation oh for sure which I haven't used too much since living because it's been nice weather so I've walked or divvied a lot um but I definitely am going to start because (laughs) (laughs) the one so I went to Chicago um last winter like towards the end of last year um literally just for a day it was for an interview but I remember like walking to this building and I was wearing a coat and everything but I was literally crying because the wind was just blowing my face so much that I just had so many tears come out and you had come from Georgia too so you were really nice (laughs) yeah yeah but I liked it there I really want to go back and like explore more yes you'll have to come back when travel begins again (laughs) But yeah, I remember like, um, I was like, okay, I need to go see the bean tonight. So I was like, okay, let me go. And I walked there 
from my hotel or no, I walked from this restaurant that I was eating at, I think. And then um, I got to the bean and right when I was about to ask this lady to take my picture for me, my phone died. And I was like, no, how am I going to get back? Because <laughs> um, I had like a really, like I had an iPhone 6 then and it was just so old. Like I had had it for so many years that it was like always dying on me at the worst times. Um, yeah. Even if it was like pretty much charged fully. Um, so she took a picture of me on her own phone, texted it to me. And then I asked her to like, look at Google maps real quick to try to figure out where my hotel was. And I couldn't even remember the name of my hotel. Oh no. (laughs) But I, I generally, thankfully I like knew where on like the map it was kind of, and it wasn't even like that close. Um, like I did have to cross like the river to get there. (laughs) Oh yeah, you're a bit away for no for not knowing directions. <laughs> but somehow I made it, and I didn't make like a wrong turn or anything. And I was trying to like on the way there try to find like a store that would let me like charge my phone, but like nobody really had a phone charger on them. And I was like, okay, whatever. Like this probably seems sketchy anyway. So I just kept walking straight down from the Bean down that road, and then that street, and then um. I saw like this map and I was like, okay, I need to turn like right here. And then somehow I made it. <laughs> hey, good for you. I'm yeah. glad you did. Cause I could have definitely gone the opposite direction for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of working from home during COVID, we were talking a few days ago about how like women are getting promoted less. Yeah. So I have some statistics. Great. Yeah, I saw a journal in the or an article in the Wall Street Journal talking mm-hmm. about how uh, COVID and work from home could be increasing the gender pay gap. And they said there were they included two like big statistics that the article was focused around. And one was that work from home has positively helped. of men in their career in the last six months, but only 29% of women. Mm. And then the statistics of the people who took the survey, obviously, and then the statistics for those being promoted and work from home, it was only 9% of mothers and 34% of fathers. And so I just think it's something that we are going to definitely have to monitor because with everything going on and potential setbacks for women, I really don't want work from home to also add another obstacle. Um, And so I don't think, obviously like the statistics are really new and we don't have a full grasp of the long-term effects, but I do think it's something that as a society we should be aware of. Um, And think about how much that also affects, um, minority workers as well when you see the wage gap continue to increase when you start looking at black women versus white women too so it is definitely something we need to pay attention to yeah yeah I think that's really important um to talk about because already like I feel like women have to work harder to prove themselves at work Mm -hmm. so you know working from home like online when people are just looking at trying to choose between like a male and a female it's like maybe not uh fully consciously but like subconsciously with their like internal biases like they might they would still choose the guy over the girl 
to get on a project or like whatever. Yeah, I think that could definitely be a factor. And also, we still do see women as at a higher rate of being a single parent. And so when you have your kid home from school, even if it's a couple days a week or something that can definitely affect your career. Um, Or maybe they're the primary caretaker, even if it's a two income household. And so that can also affect your career if you have to homeschool while also working while also making sure that your children are getting fed three meals a day now instead of just breakfast and dinner um add it and then you even add the monetary stress on that for people who for children who were getting uh school like provided lunches and stuff like that so I just think there's definitely a lot of factors that go into it obviously with everything in COVID there's five million factors that play into (laughs) decisions that are being made or not made um but something I definitely plan to continue to monitor. Not sure exactly how much I can do about it, but I do want to remain educated on the topic. Yeah. I feel like some companies, some companies are like definitely better than others in terms of like trying to give equal opportunities to people. But For sure. There's definitely some that don't really have that initiative set. Yeah. And I think there's also... Uh, it just depends on how fast different initiatives can be put in place based on a company's monetary status at the moment. Um, Cause I do know mm-hmm. some companies are able, they have the cash to be able to just have different programs and help out their workers and everything, but not everybody does. So it might take a while. Yeah. It kind of sucks that um, in this day and age, there has to be like, initiatives to bring that kind of awareness to people like it it is just already being done you know yeah it absolutely (laughs) does um but I think I think there's a big just education gap in general between all different groups of people um regarding different topics and so sometimes I mean they're yeah they're necessary yeah to help educate hopefully one day we won't really need them that much (laughs) Uh, yeah, you would think. Hopefully, you know, one day the internet could be enough to educate without skewing your results. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so talking basically about, like, equality between men and women, um, I know you feel very strongly about, like, women's reproductive rights. So let's yes. talk about that a little <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I'm just going to put it out there. We're both like pro-choice. So if you don't agree, <laughs> that can't help. I am very pro-choice and I do respect and understand the argument behind pro-life. However, I think pro-choice argument extends beyond abortion. And once we stop that barrier, it can have effects that we can't foresee and that can be very problematic. Um, one, so one thing that I really think is we, every single female should have the right to choose whatever birth control she wants or doesn't want. Um, mm. And I, for some of us, we do have that choice. We can pick what we want. We have, we're on insurance that can support it and that covers it. We have parents that we're maybe on our parents' insurance and they don't care or we're on our own insurance, but other people aren't in the same way or don't have the same privilege. They might not be able to afford certain birth controls or they might not, it, they might need their parents' insurance and that could lead to other problems. So 
And I think people don't necessarily realize the benefits that birth control have can have too. Um, so obviously there are not obviously, sorry, there are <laughs> hormonal and non-hormonal birth controls. And I don't think we all realize that either a lot of us, at least I grew up in a community where it was like birth control was the pill and that was it. And nobody thought differently. Nobody realized that there were other, or talked about the other formats of birth control at all. And so I was like really shocked when I came to college and I was starting to learn for myself about all these different formats. And I am still on on the pill because I've reached a hormonal balance that I really like. It helps me with my acne. It helps with my mood, everything Mm -hmm. like that. I think I'm at a good balance, but not everybody, it doesn't work for everybody at all. If you don't want a hormonal pill or you don't want a hormonal shot or anything like that, there is something, there's the copper IUD, which is not hormonal and copper just creates an environment that sperm cannot survive. So if you purely just want the birth control, which I fully support as well, it doesn't have to have a benefit beyond birth control. You can do it just Mm -hmm. for birth control. Um, then that's also an option. But then when we move into, so I'm really passionate about this too because it's helpful for people in our age demographic, girls in their teens and 20s for sure, but it also is really helpful in terms of family planning in communities where you need to, I mean, in environments where you can't afford a kid right off the bat, you have to plan for this. Um, yeah. And yeah, and so in a lot of underprivileged communities, public health centers are actually trying to not have people go on the pill. They want them to go either have the shot, which you can get every month or um the patch is like every week to two weeks or a more permanent thing like the IUD which is like five to three to seven years or something like that um and so those are more permanent uh I guess forms of birth control but also less people know less about them and so that can be scary when you don't know and when you don't know about these different formats you you can't pick what's best for you um And we do have Planned Parenthood, which is an organization you know, Urshi, I'm super passionate about. <laughs> I really like, I think they are at the forefront of education in terms of reproductive health while also provide amazing services. Mm. And they provide a lot more services beyond like birth control and everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, they provide different counseling services as well. So it's mm. it's definitely, they hit every it's a holistic place to get healthcare in terms of American healthcare, not necessarily in other cultures, but in terms of American healthcare, it's definitely the most, one of the more holistic places that you'll find. Um, but they have 12, the 12 different methods of birth control listed on their website. And then you can go from there to find out more information about each thing. You can take a quiz to find out what birth control is best for you. Um, and I think just, we need more resources like this um, so that people can realize that. And if no birth control is best for you, no birth control is best for you. And that's your decision, but that's not the same for everyone because it can be really hard to have a child. If you can't afford it, it's hard on you. It's hard on your family. It's hard on the child. Um, And it just continues a cycle of poverty, which then leads, it's left to the child to break themselves out of. And that's incredibly difficult. And I don't want to put that on anyone. Right. I think it's so important to responsibly have kids. Yeah. You know, like have enough, you want to be able to like send them to college and everything. And that could take a few extra years of waiting to have a kid to make sure you have that kind of money on you. No, for sure. I, so 
my company has a book club right now and it's Mm. with our, it's a mixture of our diversity and inclusion um, initiative with iGrow, which is our, our women's group. And so we are reading the moment of lift right now by Melinda Gates. And I know this has been out for a while um, now, but I definitely recommend reading it. I think it's really cool. It shows how, for how women are just like absolutely incredible in all cultures and they have to deal with so many different things. And we have different, and I guess with being in America, we are so lucky that we do have the access, the relative access to things, but we are also the developed country with the highest maternal mortality rate. And it all mm. trickles down to there in terms of women's health. Um, so that can be problematic, but she does really talk about how it, family planning directly correlates to a woman's success and the success of her child and family um, in all different cultures across the world. And so I think we need to look at the pro-choice debate, not only from it is your body, it is your uterus, you can decide what you want to do with it, but also from the aspect of this is better for everyone involved when the woman gets, when the female gets to decide or the I shouldn't say female, when the person who is fertile gets to decide when they want to have a child. Yeah, it's like better for the success of the country. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and that it just correlates with like, you know, um, it's proven that like kids who go to more like extracurricular activities or are in this more like better environment for themselves are always do, do better than kids who are raised in like a low poverty community where there is just not those kind of resources yeah it's just an added stressor for sure when you have to think about when you as a child when you're just old enough to work have to get a job rather than if you want to join the soccer team or something um it adds a lot a layer of stress at a really young age that ends up having effects later on in life in terms of increasing your rate for chronic diseases um, and making it harder to have a healthy child as well. We do see that um, when you look at women who have higher levels of stress, they do have a higher risk of having problems in childbirth. So it all, mm. it all correlates. Yeah. There's yeah. like so many different factors. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's definitely, <laughs> that is um, definitely something I'm very passionate about. I am also reading You're the Only One I've Told, Stories Behind Abortion, which is written by Dr. Mira Shaw, who mm. Is a, she works at one of the branches of Planned Parenthood in New York, uh, and she talks about how safe abortion is in terms of if she administers it or if it's done in the home with a pill. Um, but it's not always safe if it's not monitored by, you know, a medical governing body. But yeah, it's definitely a really interesting thing. She ta- it talks about all different stories of why people get abortions. Um, and I think it is something that we should all read so that we do know that this isn't just happening because I had an accident or something. There's a lot of other reasons too. So. Yeah. With everything going on in this world, in this country nowadays, it is something that's like very concerning that like these reproductive rights are something that could be taken away from us. Yeah. I think... It, it's really scary, too, when you look at in other countries where women have fewer rights and you think mm-hmm. about how if we start peeling back the layers, it 
I mean, I'm not going to say it's like going to lead to that at all, but I don't want to take any steps backward when we're trying to help other countries take steps forward for women. Mm-hmm. I think that there, I mean, not all of us in the U.S. are trying to do that, but like when the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is trying to really help family planning and help different countries in terms of general public health, but also women's rights, it's kind of hard if we were to come from a place of backwards progress than actually progression forward. And so I think it's really important for us to continue to build up our systems in terms of quality, cost, and access to care in all forms, including women's rights and everything else, but Mm -hmm. when we're trying to help these other countries. Yeah. So basically, like, I think this was, what, a couple months ago, but trans people got their health care rights taken back from them. And that's when I was like, this could, (laughs) we're going very much backwards and this could expand. Yeah, there's some, definitely some items on the docket for the Supreme Court that is making me really scared. (laughs) And that's the other thing too, like removing the Affordable Care Act has a lot of effects that people don't always realize that can definitely negatively affect you and your family. Um, Yeah, yeah, my dad was talking about it because he was a federal employee, so his health insurance is through the government, and his premiums will definitely increase. And Mm. we were talking about this from a point of privilege, being like, yeah, this sucks, but it's we would be fine, but not everybody would be fine. And you kind of, yeah, you need to definitely take yourself out of your, out of the bubble and realize (laughs) there's people in countless situations around you. And just because you're okay, others aren't. And it's important to care about other people. (laughs) (laughs) So um, talking about like women's rights and everything, kind of going towards the topic of abuse. We were, we both have seen this documentary I forget what it's called, but it, it's on Netflix. It's like Bikram Yoga or something. It's called Bikram Yogi Guru Predator. Okay, that. <laughs> yeah. Really. And out there. I was shocked watching that documentary, but also like not necessarily surprised. I can imagine that happening in so many other aspects too, like so many other areas. Um, but basically there's this guy... Bikram Chaudhary, and he brought this form of Bikram yoga, which is like the 26 poses, to America, and um, which wasn't actually even his own practice. It was yeah. someone else's, but he called it from his own name. Um, and I feel like we should change that name. <laughs> I completely agree. <laughs> We've both done it. I do enjoy the yoga, but yeah, yeah, I do not want to call um, it that exactly. And yeah, he had he held these like really big teacher training like workshops to teach people this yoga form, and um, he basically would like take advantage of women, bring them bring them to his hotel room, or like rape them, or like take advantage of them in different ways, and a lot of these women like couldn't really do anything about it because he was like the only person teaching this form. So it was either just accept it and move on or, you know, and like in this country, it's like, even if you do say something, it's so hard to get people to believe you. And I feel like the system is kind of designed that way too. 
where if it's if, especially if it's only like one person talking about it I feel like it's so easily dismissed yeah and also it was just one thing that was really alarming to me in that documentary was the fact like you said he was the only one teaching it and you weren't mm. allowed to be certified and open a studio unless he signed off on it and so that right, kind of yeah. creates like a cult-like atmosphere if you have started watching the vow it's like a very it's different but like a similar idolization of this one person and so mm. all the a lot of I mean, men and women, but particularly women invested so much money because these trainings were so expensive that they couldn't afford to not pass technically. And when you, and they were training for hours and hours during the day. And so barely eating and not drinking enough. And so he's essentially putting their bodies in a way, in a um, state where it's really easy to abuse them because they wouldn't necessarily be able to recognize signs that weren't okay when it was early enough. And then I know there was one story where the girl tried to run out and he stopped her and listening to the stories, you might say, Oh, why didn't she leave at this point? Like she should have been able to see it. But when your body is in that point of deprivation, you have no idea how you're going to react or if you're just going to go into survival mode too early when you could still escape, you never know. Right. Um, These people are like training all day long, sweating a ton. Like they yeah, just had 105 degrees. Yeah. Like your body you can't, even can't think <laughs> no, you can't sustain that. So it was just really sad watching this documentary and you see, you see this abuse in women in other areas too. Like you saw with Larry Nasser um, with USA gymnastics in both mm-hmm. the heart of gold and athlete a are two other great documentaries too check out on that but it's terrifying um and it's also just hard to think like where this is definitely happening in other sports and other aspects of the fitness industry mm-hmm. and we you, we don't know um mm-hmm. so yeah that was i mean the documentary was absolutely heartbreaking but i definitely recommend sure. watching it yeah i recommend watching it i was trying to see what like you know if he's been arrested or not and honestly i couldn't exactly tell he like left he disappeared he went to mexico i think and then he had a 2019 yeah. training in mexico God. he was able to do that um oh, i hate that which i'm not a lawyer so i don't really understand how that happened but yeah it is it's probably just horrifying guess, to me yeah Maybe it's just like how Mexico works. They just allow them to do it. I don't know. But he did have a he did have an arrest warrant, but I think he like fled and then I don't know why they can't catch him now, but I don't know if it's since he's gone, it's out of their jurisdiction. I really don't know. Yeah. Um but it's scary to me that people are still going to his trainings. Yeah. That's what that's really scary. I'm guessing, me. I'm sure people are being trained here, not by him now, but also I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I think there are other, now there are other like training schools that you can like technically be certified from, mm-hmm. but, which is good, but I would like to see the name change and him to be arrested yeah. and um, women to get justice for what they went through because it's absolutely terrible. Yeah, I think um, one of the women was supposed to get, I want to say $8 million, but she still 
or from what I read, she hadn't been paid yet. Um, and that's when he like fled to Mexico or something. So it's just, it just sucks that like people can get away with things like that so easily and still, you know, go about their daily lives and like make profit off of something. Yeah. And there was one story too, where backing, like back to the topic of women need to help other women. Um, when the, his wife was in the house and he sexually assaulted somebody who was staying with. I, I was going to talk about that. Yeah. But sorry, continue. No, it just like, that was, I mean, just absolutely heartbreaking. The fact that she, she knew. Yeah. She knew, right. Yeah. Knew what was going on. Just let it happen. And I'm sure it's not the first time. Um, And then it just reminds me of also like the Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein situation as well, which is another heartbreaking one, but we don't have to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I was just so shocked that like his wife knew she didn't seem to care. I don't know, you know, and like in front of her, like he would just do these things basically like, I don't know the whole dynamic between them at all, yeah. but um, I think she should also face charges for knowing and not doing anything about it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know exactly what went through her head to let it slide, but maybe she was like, oh, he's bringing in all this money from this. So I don't know. Exactly. I mean, we can't, you know, I guess we can't say we, anything. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know if she fully knew what was going on or if she... Yeah. thought if she did know that something was happening but didn't know it was against the will of the girl you don't know um and but either way i think there's partially some fault to her i agree yeah yeah um but yeah that's it's definitely a documentary that people should check out if they have not already yeah for sure <laughs> i'll link it below in the show notes for anyone listening perfect I think we'll end that conversation there, but for the little signature ending, I always do, I've been doing this thing now where I ask people like their recent favorite, pretty much whatever. So if you have like a favorite song, a favorite podcast, a favorite um, artist or like a quote that you really like, (laughs) you can uh, tell everybody. (laughs) All right. Okay. So just like a favorite something. Yeah, literally anything. Um, so I have a couple of things. Mm-hmm. I for po- like for a playlist, I found this one thanks to TikTok. It's called mm-hmm. Disco Margaritas, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like an EDM-y upbeat vibe. But that's been really fun. Whenever I just like want to get myself in like a happy mood, so I like will do it. I'll like listen to it on a walk after work or something. And that's just like kind of a fun little thing for me. It's definitely been my go-to. And then podcast wise, I, besides yours, of course, I also (laughs) really, I've been vibing with oops, the podcast. It's two New York comedians. It's called oops, the podcast. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's two New York comedian guys and they're just like really funny. And it's a nice little, I listen to the daily almost every day, mm. but it is a nice, you know, yeah. point. Uh, yeah, like a little bit of humor throughout the day. Um, I don't agree with everything that they say on it, but <laughs> I do think that the overall 
show is just really funny and helps set you in a good mood too. So I guess all my favorite things put you in a good mood, but (laughs) I'm not, I don't really listen or watch things that are too, too sad. Um, yeah. In terms of like, I don't, I, yeah, I go, (laughs) but yeah. I get that. I sometimes I feel like I listen to a lot of sad music just because I really like like it. Um, but then I'm like, wait, maybe I should listen to happy music, like <laughs> not put myself in a sad mood all the time. I think it depends on who you are. Like for me, if I listen to sad music, it just makes me really upset and will not help me at all. But some people like mm-hmm. need that moment to like vibe in their thoughts. And <laughs> um, so I get it. But it definitely does not help me at all. Um, <laughs> like, I really love listening to sad music, I'll be honest. Like, it, it's just, like, so, like, it's almost, like, calming, or it, it kind of, like, gets my emotions out of my head with these yeah. songs. But at the same time, I think about it, and I'm like, maybe let's stop it at a certain point. <laughs> like, not <laughs> wallow forever. Time limit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But anyways... Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really Thank enjoyed Thank you for having you. me. <laughs> of course. Okay, have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. So thank you, Kendall, for coming on the podcast. I love talking to you. And thank you to everyone who listened in. Be sure to check out the Instagram at Real Lives Real People to put faces to names and share the podcast with someone you think would like it. Have a good week.